This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. And off we go on the Danny Mac Podcast. Glad you're with me today. I'm Dan McNeil, and twice a week they give me, Adam Delavid at Bet Rivers, and all of my guys at Bet Rivers give me this opportunity to talk about pretty much anything I want to talk about in the world of sports, with the understanding it is going to be heavy on football. And as you might guess, that's where I want to go today, because the White Sox are 17 games under 500 after the 5-1 to one loss to the Mets. Yesterday, they'll wrap up that series today. Uh, Oh, it's going to be fun these next couple of weeks, listening to the gnashing of teeth of White Sox fans. Fans have been more entertaining than the product on the field this year. So I'm not going to maybe have some room for some nuggets at the end on the Sox as well as the Cubs and more so conversation around the two teams as I scramble for things to listen to when I'm driving and punching into sports radio, which I never have been a very big consumer in my home. If there is a huge story, yes, I will turn the radio on in the entire house, the PA system. It's, it's not a nice system. It came with the house in zero five Uh, house was five years old. In case you're curious, I should get it upgraded. It's terrible. It doesn't even have a CD player. Um, not that I know where my CDs are probably in the boat. Last time I listened to a CD, that's, that's where I've got that technology. But anyway, uh, I'm looking for things to listen to about Northwestern. I can't get out of the line of fire of the story, but I am so dispirited time and time again about some of the verbiage that I'm being handed from the gatekeepers, from the opinion makers from guys at the score and at ESPN radio. And it's not an easy story. I don't envy their position because they're expected to talk about it. Probably still, I'm guessing half the show. It's going to be that way too, especially for guys who love these type of stories, not that they love the content in them and find hazing to the point of, of sexual assault Uh, something that's good, but they're good with those stories. Dan Bernstein comes to mind. He was all over the Penn State scandal. Joe Paterno, Jerry Sandusky. For those who wanted that type of coverage, Dan was all over it. I, I don't know if there's a ton of people who want that? I, I, I suppose there are because Northwestern is local. But boy, you talk about a peripheral component in the Chicago sports scene. That's Northwestern football. I promise you, these last 12, 13 days, there have been more words devoted to Northwestern Wildcat football than there have been in the last 13, 14 years. And that's not right. 
but it's a Bears town, and the Bears always get center stage even when they're three and frickin' 14 as they were a year ago. Of course, Northwestern didn't capitalize. They went 1-11 and in Pat Fitzgerald's final year. What I'm being handed that I cannot accept are blanketed statements, just statements that are made across the board like racial racism, or I'm sorry, institutional racism, that Northwestern has engaged in this for decades, that Pat Fitzgerald in particular has a racist bent. I don't accept that. I don't want to hear that. I don't believe it to be true. I, I'm bothered by so much. I'm disappointed in Fitzgerald. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here today blindly defending him because I enjoyed his All-America career as a linebacker there, and he's been kind to me over the years. I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt because of those things. I, I just I, I know that in sports, especially when you have to be a leader, you have to be colorblind. And I want to give him the benefit of the doubt on that. I, I, I don't I don't accept that. If things came out of the mouths of, of Fitzgerald or assistant coaches that were perceived to be racist, let's look at what some of those things are. Like the hat that was worn cocked by a black player and an assistant coach allegedly said you're not in the hood. Would that assistant coach have said that to a white player? Probably. Probably. It's a terrible choice of words. Does that mean he's a racist? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's such it's such a gray area for me, and it's so dispiriting because I'm a fan of the program, and I'm disappointed in all involved. I'm disappointed in the players who were a part of the car wash, a.k.a. the loofah line. I mean, how can you get eight or ten guys three years ago, hell, 50 years ago, who th- well, maybe not that far, cave mannishness being what it was, 30 years ago, who think, yeah, let's let's get eight or ten guys together and soap up and rub up against underclassmen. What the F is that? I just, I can't believe that that went on. And, you know, I, I don't want to debate anymore. I don't think it's, there's no point in it, whether Fitz knew it or whether he didn't. He's gone. And with him will go most of those assistants in due time. People are wondering why hasn't the entire administration been cleaned out? It's a good question. It's a fair question. His successor, David Braun, was not a part of the program until January, so he is safe. Here's what you're getting in David Braun, and next week is an opportunity to find out, (laughs) wow, what a first assignment, the Big Ten football kickoff luncheon next week in Indianapolis. He's got uh, very little experience. He's been at North Dakota State. They've been a very good team for their level of football. He he played college football at Winona State in Minnesota. And in January, he was named the Northwestern Defensive Coordinator. That was already after the investigation was a couple months under the, underway, the Northwestern internal investigation. I just want to get away from the story, yet I can't turn my head because I care about the program. And I I am interested as as a former daily talk show host in how the guys are handling it. And, And some of them are doing a decent job with it. 
Um, I've enjoyed David Hawes takes more than anybody's. However, I didn't know where he stood on his initial column about Northwestern doing the right thing. He didn't close the deal. He didn't tell me what the right thing was. And maybe it was a veiled reference to something he had written a few paragraphs prior about Fitzgerald being media friendly and regularly being a guy people went to. And that's something else that bothers me, too. Let me get this on the table. All the sons of bitches who benefited from the Northwestern publicity machine for many years now. Northwestern has been a very eager participant in Chicago sports radio because they know they have to scratch and claw and fight for every bit of attention they get and every ass that fills a seat at Ryan Field. They know that, and they've worked hard at it. They've spent money on the score, you know, advertising themselves as Chicago's Big Ten team. Has that taken off? Not really, but it was an effort. They made an effort. They spent the money. When Jim Phillips was the athletic director, he was regularly available as a guest. He was a willing guest. He was smart from a PR standpoint. You can say he's a politician, and I won't argue with you, but he he was in a position where you have to have people skills, and he had them. Fitzgerald regularly was available for radio shows and newspaper interviews, and yet when he gets canned, And people know they will not have to call on him again. That's when they take the gloves off and get really vicious. Because I won't need to make that phone call again. Now I can really bring the the hammer down. Not saying I haven't done it at one point or another. It's been many years. I I can't even think of who it was. Um, Jeez, it wasn't White Sox manager Jeff Torborg because I continued to keep a relationship with Jeff, but that's how far back it goes. I mean, we're talking about 80s and 90s, early 90s, probably. Uh, The last time I remember saying, hey, I caught myself. You're you're bringing, you're taking the gloves off for something you knew a while ago, but when you could use this guy as as a programming source, you didn't have the balls to do it. And now that you're done with him and he's gonna be done with you, now you bring it out, gutless. I I suspect there's some of that going on, too, and it pisses me off. What do we not like about people? What we see in ourselves, maybe. Next Tuesday, this coming Tuesday at Lucas Oil Stadium, the Big Ten kickoff luncheon is happening, and I think it's at 11.45 when Coach Braun takes the podium and stands at the lectern, how about that? And I'm not even a Medildo. And answers very tough questions. Several players are committed to speaking. I want to hear what they have to say. Maybe that's my getaway next week. I was considering a short fishing trip. Maybe I go to Indianapolis. I could kill a few birds with one stone. I could uh, see some friends from Ball State. I could see my high school football coaches. And I could finally get my ass in Lucas Oil Stadium for an event. The kickoff luncheon. I haven't been to a Big Ten kickoff luncheon in probably 25 years. It used to be a regular uh, stop for me. I loved going to the Big Ten kickoff luncheon beginning in 86 when I was writing for the Times in Northwest Indiana, covering Bo Schembechler, Hayden Fry. Keith Jackson was the master of ceremonies at that one. Maybe I'll go to that one because I don't want to hear sound bites next week. I don't want to hear little snippets. And that's what you'll get 
when guys are just looking to push their narrative. They'll take a piece of a soundbite and work it to their advantage and discard the rest and not provide any balance to support their thesis. That's that's bullshit. And I, I don't I don't want to sit and listen to the raw sound of the news conferences. Listen, listen to all of it. It's going to be very long, but to be in attendance and maybe ask some questions. Maybe that's in my future for next Tuesday. It's that or go find the invasive species of black carp that's gotten in the waters of some rivers in Ohio and not Ohio in Kentucky and other Southern states, an invasive species species that's eating all of the mussels, the the freshwater zebra mussels, which provide nutrients and oxygenation to the water. And they're paying anglers a hundred bucks per carcass for any black carp they bring out of there and humanely destroy. And that would be the only way I would destroy the black carp. But I believe if it's bad for the lake, they should be taken out. And at a hundred bucks a throw, I could trailer my boat down there and I'd have to catch 10 of them to pay for the gas and lodging. There's a G to pay for my trailer and my boat down to Kentucky looking for, for black carp, get those zebra muscle eating scavengers and ugly suckers out of the water, get them out of the water. Catch a hundred of them. Now I can go on a road trip. I can go see the Bears play the Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium in week three as Justin Fields gets ready to embark on his 4,000-plus-yard passing season. I want to talk about that next, but just wrapping up the Northwestern conversation, I've tried to consume a ton of it because I'm interested, but it's hard. It's hard. I've I've heard a lot of unprofessionalism. I've heard a lot of blanket statements that simply are not accurate and people who are very, very naive and people, when those disagree with them, they use the phrase, Oh, he's tone deaf. He's tone deaf. That's that's 20, 21st century speak for. He doesn't agree with me. Call someone else tone deaf. He doesn't see it the way I do. He doesn't, he doesn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. You're all knowing you are all knowing. So anyway, I'm going to get away from the Northwestern news over the weekend while contemplating my first trip to Lucas Oil Stadium. Think I'll go? I'll let you know next week. I'm Dan McNeil, and you're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe if you've not done so already. You can do it anywhere you get your podcast, and tell a friend. The Macker isn't done sharing his deep sports thoughts with you. You can find me twice a week, typically on Monday late mornings we drop, and then again later in the week on Thursday. I'm Dan McNeil, and I am not finished saying things about stuff. The Bears are getting ready to go to training camp, and quarterback Justin Fields is feeling like he can unload a huge season as a passer. He's going to unleash his his powers and become the Bears' first quarterback in franchise history to throw for more than 4,000 yards in a season. I think that's doable. Is he going to get to 4,000 yards? I'm betting against it just because it's such an enormous jump for a guy who did make 15 starts last year and was just a little bit over 2,200 yards, right? 2,500 yards right there with Marcus Mariota, who quit with five weeks to go. 
and finished with almost the same number of yards as Fields, touchdown passes. Look, he better be close to 4,000 yards. If he isn't ultimately a 4,000-yard passer, what, what are we talking about here? Why are so many people anointing him when, when he hasn't gotten to what is not even the highest standard in the world anymore? There were nine guys in the NFL last season who passed for more than 4,000 yards. The year before, they were 10. Kirk Cousins is usually one of those guys. Cousins has passed for 4,000 yards seven times in his career. He did it three times with the Washington Commanders, for Christ's sake. You know how bad they've been in recent years? Actually, going back a few years, he now has spent five years with the Vikings, but when Cousins was in Washington, they were garbage. Their tight end, Jordan, was the best receiver on their roster. They were lousy offensively. Still are. But Kirk Cousins has done it several times in his career. Passed for more than 4,000 yards. It's not that high of a bar. Geno Smith did it last year with the Seahawks. He was the comeback player of the year. That's who Bears fans are hoping Justin Fields is. This year, not because he's toiled in the league in anonymity for years and bounced from sideline to sideline wearing a baseball cap. Fields was a productive player last year. He was, what, seventh in the NFL in rushing yards, number one in yards per carry. You know he's amazing as a running back. He's a video game. And that's kind of what Colin Coward uh, the noted sports podcaster, talk show host, television talking at, has has been saying about him lately that he's he's a YouTube sensation, but he's not a quarterback yet. I that's harsh, but it's not untrue. He's not gone to that next level. He's he's promising to this year. I hope he's right. If he's right, the Bears have a puncher's chance at winning the division, even. They're 4-1 to to win the division. Talked about that on Tuesday's podcast. Why the Detroit Lions are the favorite to win the NFC North. I don't get it. If you're expecting Jared Goff to be as productive as you, and he was one of those nine passers over 4,000 last year, to do what he did a year ago, I, I you know, politely disagree. I'm going to bet against it. They also have that rookie running back, Gibbs, from Alabama. Jameer Gibbs, I think his name is. He's going to be a monster. I think that's his name. And not to mention Jack Campbell, the curious mid-first-round pick out of Iowa. You're saying, is that Dan Campbell's kid? Why in the world are they drafting this guy? He's not a projected first-rounder. Go ahead, take the Lions if you want it, plus 125. I'll take Minnesota at plus 300. I talked enough about that the other day. The Bears getting to training camp is very exciting. I'm looking forward to the stories that come out of Lake Forest, no longer a training camp situation where fans in mass can attend. That's disappointing. I used to love it, not only just Bourbon A, but when the Bears trained in Platteville, Wisconsin, because that felt like you were getting away because you were getting away. It was a commitment for the week. If you go to Platteville covering the Bears or just going as a fan, You're going to drive the 220 miles or whatever it was for me, 200 miles. You're going to stay for a few days. And I always like to stay in the dorm. Even when I was a highly paid sports yapper, I liked staying in the dorm. It felt like I was at football camp. Looking forward to the stories that come out of there. Looking forward to seeing how the young players 
especially the first-round pick out of Tennessee. Quite right. You're bloody well right. See if he's the right tackle that the Bears expect him to be, the reason they picked him 10th in the first round. See if that defensive tackle from Florida, a second-rounder, is what he is supposed to be. See if Jack Sanborn is back for another star-studded year with helmet awards out the ass. I hate helmet awards. Cost a guy his captaincy when I was a junior at the high school level, walking through drills because he didn't agree with helmet awards. <laughs> and he's a captain. And I voted for the son of a bitch to be a captain. Uh, anywho, I'm getting off the track. There have been photos on social media lately of, of former Bears defensive tackle Steve McMichael and I'm bothered by the photos. I don't, and I know one, at least one of them has been recirculated, redistributed by a member of Steve's family. That's their choice. I I find it to be low rent when media members do that, whether they've been given permission to do so or not. I think that's a person's private affairs. Now, I've seen some of them defend their position. I want to create awareness for ALS. Want to let everybody know, you know, that they should pray for Steve McMichael. Okay. I don't mean to bring it to this, but, you know, God God is winless against ALS. That's a shitty way of saying it, but uh, it's, it's a fact. ALS is unbeaten, and Steve McMichael is not going to beat it either. But um, I think he should be should be admitted to the Hall of Fame. He should be voted in. The Senior Veterans Committee has a chance to do that. And McMichael, let's face it, does not have much longer to go. The average ALS victim lives about four years. He's coming up on two and a half, I think. I think it was April when he announced that it might have been a little April of 21 he might have been diagnosed a little bit before then. So coming up on three years since diagnosis. Steve McMichael does deserve to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I didn't think so when he was a player. I also was guarded against being too much of a homer. No reason to to wave the blue and orange pom-pons unless you really feel they should be in the Hall of Fame. I wasn't a definitive yes on Jimbo Covert, who got in three years ago. Because he didn't play very long. He played nine years. To me, if you're going to be a tackle in the Hall of Fame, you better have 150, 175 starts. That helps. Tony Baselli got in last year. Same drill. What did he play, six years? Some of the guys who got in as defensive linemen last year were a joke. Richard Seymour was one of them. Bryant Young was another. McMichael's stats as an interior D lineman were better. He had 95 career sacks. One of the two guys, I think it was Seymour, who had 57. He played both inside and outside for the Patriots and the Raiders primarily. McMichael had 95 freaking sacks. He played in 180-some consecutive games, 13 seasons with the Bears, he broke into the league with the Patriots and he finished with the Packers. And I'll close you with my favorite Steve McMichael quote on his tenure with the Green Bay Packers, who he hated. He said this after 
he retired. He played with Green Bay in 1994. I was at the game at Lambeau Field when the Bears played the Packers, and uh, it was so weird seeing him uh, sleeveless and no pads, no helmet, just his uh, his T-shirt tucked into his game pants walking around Lambeau Field. He's wearing the wrong color pants, those yellow pants, at uh, 10.30 in the morning before a Sunday kick. On being a Packer, Steve McMichael said this, for 13 years, I helped the Bears beat the Packers every year. I whooped their ass, right? So the last year, I went up there on my last leg, and I wasn't any good anymore. So I stole their money and whipped their ass again. That's Steve McMichael. Um, I wish him the best. I loved him and uh, still do. All right. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you've been enjoying them, please tell your friends. The Mackers still flapping a couple of times a week. The Bet Rivers Podcast Network, which is run by my friend Adam Delavitt. And Sam Michael is our executive producer. I'll be back Tuesday of next week. Maybe, maybe a report on black carp chasing. Maybe a report on the vibe outside of Lucas Oil Stadium before David Braun embarks on his very difficult news conference as the Big Ten's annual kickoff luncheon shakes out next week in what I like to call downtown Indiana. Have a great weekend. I'm Mac. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.